Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Uh, thank you so much for coming down. Really appreciate it. Insane in the Membrane podcast. Insane in the Membrane is back for another live podcast recording on Sunday the 23rd of February. I found that through humour, People open up and we have a laugh, and I really appreciate you coming down and doing this. This is an intimate live show with comedian Rich Wilson and very special surprise guest in front of a small audience at the Pleasance Islington. In fact, you are so close to the comedians, you could probably lick them. Uh, we can have a laugh while we do it. I think that's what I'm trying to show with the podcast. January's a struggle for us all, so put yourself something to look forward to in February in Saving the Membrane Live at the Pleasance, Sunday, Feb 23rd at 7.30pm. Just £5. Nearest tube, Caledonian Road, Piccadilly Line, Dead easy, no excuses. You did great, Reg. Thanks, Bob. You Didn't did as you well. Great. Thank you. Click the link in the show description for this episode on your podcast app, or go to pleasants.co.uk. What do we do now? I don't know. I think that's it. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favourite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. Hello, welcome again, Brainers. I don't know. Shall we call you that? I don't know. I don't know. We'll find a nickname. We'll get there in the end. We must find something to bring us all together. Um, welcome again to another edition. Uh, it's nice to have you on board. And uh, what an episode this is. This week, I was joined by the comedy legend that is Mr. David Bedil. And I can't tell you how much of a fan I have been of this man since seeing him for the first time ever on the, the Mary Whitehouse experience way, way back with Rob Newman, Steve Punt, and uh, and uh, Hugh Dennis. Uh, and he said, Les Dennis then, it's a different show. Um, and we put the word out and uh, we're like, would you like to come on the podcast? We'd love to have you on. And he came back and said, yeah. Um, so he came down to Comedy Central. Thanks again to Comedy Central for having us on and letting us use the, use the room. Uh, thank you to producer Paul for once again, uh, making it sound delicious. And uh, I spent the day, in, I just immersed myself in David Padil stuff so as not to fanboy him when he turned up uh, and I think I kept a lid on it I think I was all right and stay listening after the podcast ends that's after the the end music uh, you'll hear a little bit of extra banter a little bit of a, an extra bit that was at the end of the conversation that um, we nearly missed because we nearly stopped recording but uh, stay listening to the end and uh, there's a little treat for you so without further ado please welcome David Badil and we took a recording now yeah just on are we recording? Go. Yeah. Know, before recording. we start, yeah. I just want to say something about Go on. my mental health uh, coming here. So my mental health is always a little bit in and out, to be yeah. honest with you. Uh, depends a bit on the day. Uh, and uh, for listeners who cannot see, uh, and we're indoors anyway, so I don't know why I said that. But anyway, it's a horrible day. Right? It's really grim it outside. Is, yes. It's quite late. It's sort of five o'clock. 
dark. It's not uh, to get here. I have to go part not past the nicest part of Camden, and. I agreed to do another podcast uh, on at home. The bloke is turning up to my house. He's an old mate of mine. He does a podcast called The Unexplained, which is about eerie, ghostly okay. stuff. But he's yeah. doing a sort of spin-off from that about visiting strange and eerie and strange, weird places. So he said to me, you've been to Auschwitz. Oh, wow. And I said, yeah. He said, do you want to talk on my podcast <laughs> about your time at Auschwitz? I thought, yeah. So now I'm doing this. And then I'm going back to school. Wow. And my only hope is later on in the evening, I'm playing seven side football. So hopefully that'll lift <laughs> that me just, out of yeah. the terrible despair that all oh, this would have wow. got me into. But there we go. But no, I'm fine. I'm all right. I'm you're fine. all right. I've got a cup of tea. I'm fine. So you're going. So I'm going on tour, yeah. Yes. And did you, did you talk about uh, Auschwitz? How did you feel? I've never been. That wasn't where my tour was. I was going to no, say, it's an interesting no. place to start. It's an, gigs are terrible there. <laughs> yeah, there's no comedy clubs or anything. Around there. So you have to do it in Polish anyway. <laughs> I wanted to actually, uh, I'm doing a documentary. I've done it. I'm, we're screening it tomorrow on Holocaust denial. Right. Um, and it's, I was going to say it's about the history. It's not really. It's about the sort of, it's a sort of weird TV essay about, Holocaust in Ireland about the fact that it's growing online mm. and about how you, how you com- confront these people and my own issues with like should you confront them should you platform them blah 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 anyway we, we couldn't work out what to do as a publicity shot right? and I noticed that if you go to Poland right every time you go into a place that as you come out of it that place will be crossed out Right, right. So I thought this that would be quite a good publicity shot because it'll be like Auschwitz crossed out. It's like Holocaust denial. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's called Auschwitz. Then in right. Polish, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> no one will know what that is. On, no, in, no, no, in no. British television. I think why is he standing next to a weird word crossed out? So, <laughs> it says Ofsted. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. It seems to be an Ofsted denial. Feels doing an important program about that. <laughs> I find it. I I find it baffling. I was talking to Ian Stone about this about the anti-Semitism. Very old mate of mine. I've known him since I was. Five. Really? Yeah, he went to my primary school. Wow. In fact, I think he's a comedian because of me. I don't yeah, know right. It, I think Ian would agree with that. Okay. I think about four or five years after yeah. I sort of hit quite big, Ian thought, wait a minute, that's just a bloke I know. Yeah, <laughs> I just a bloke that. I was, I could, surely I can do that. <laughs> uh, and he can, he's good. He's very good. Yeah. yeah, one of the best. Yeah. But we were talking, we were in Nottingham and I we had a couple of drinks in the hotel after the gig. And I just said, because I don't, you know, I don't know. All I see is what's in the news. So I don't really know. Like all this talk about the Labour Party being anti-Semite and, and, and anti-Semitism. And I said to Ian, I said, where does it, where does this come from? This, I know you probably don't want to talk about this. You've you talked about this on many other things. I have, yeah. But I just find, I don't, where, why is, why is there so much hatred? Hmm towards one group of people. Mm. It, That's a big subject you've started with. Yeah, there. I know, I know, Rich. but it just... Um, well, yeah. I, you know, I, I, Ian, I, you Ian, know what? I don't yeah. want to talk about it only because, not because I, I'm uncomfortable, and in fact, the opposite of that, because I, I might be writing a play about it, I'm considering writing a play okay. about the last few years, mm. uh, politically, like a, a sort of history play, really, because by the time it'll be on, yeah. which will be a couple of years, it would be sort of like looking back at this moment in time, although I think it's very much not over. It might be over locally within the Labour Party, mm. which I hope it is, but it certainly isn't over in terms of the growth of anti-Semitism worldwide, which no. just continues to sort of spiral. But the weird thing about anti-Semitism is that it does have this 
right wing and left wing thing going on. Yeah. And people, I think that's what people are confused about with yes. it. Yes, um, and the re- the real reason for that is complicated. It goes back centuries mm. uh, to like uh, the fact that Jews have always had racist myths associated with them and money and associated with them and power, yeah. uh, which are all things that the left have seen like, well, we're against, obviously. We set our stall up against people who have money and power. Yeah. And so people, there's a sort of crossover where people still assume that that has something to do with you know Jewish privilege, Jewish control right. and all the rest of it. But then there's, then there's Israel getting in the, in the mix of all that. Um, and I think this what people have talked about a lot, which is a kind of horseshoe thing, in particularly now in politics, mm. whereby extreme right-wing politics, extreme left-wing politics just start to meet yes. in the middle, and, and yeah. in the middle in between them are the Jews, yeah. <laughs> I would say. That's, yeah. where, that's where Jew hatred sits, in the middle of that in the horseshoe. Middle of all that. Yeah. 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 Uh, but um, what I was going to say was about trolls. Just, yes. Just like talking about yes. that. Um, I tell you, it's a very interesting thing about trolls, because I, I am doing a show about them, right? And the show isn't just about Oh, here's somebody who said something nasty to me, and here's a funny thing I said in response, although that was the starting point. Right. The starting point of my show about trolls was ever since I've been on Twitter, which is now 11 years. Has it really yeah, been that long? Yeah, yeah, I was an early joiner of that. <laughs> I remember, remember being told by the journalist Indian Knight, who I know, she said, well, there's lovely new website. It's really great. It's like a lovely cocktail party, she said, <laughs> with all your loveliest people and all your friends in it. And now it's been in that gate crash, that cocktail party, hasn't it? Yeah, by it has, Nazis yes. and Stalinists. And, you know, they've drunk too much. It's all gone off. And they won't uh, leave. They won't leave. <laughs> and it's really, like, not a lovely place to be in many ways, although I still think it's got stuff to recommend it. Yes. Actually. But um, I... My starting point was, when I started to get slagged off on it, mm. was, oh, well, these people are essentially hecklers. I'm a comedian, so I'm not going to ignore them. I'm not going to do this don't feed the trolls thing. I'm going to try and draw them out, put them down, and make fun of them. And yeah. I did that quite a lot and still do it. Certainly not all the time anymore because there's too many of them. <laughs> there's too many of them. And also I think there is a, there is some value in ignoring some of it. And the show isn't just about that. The show is about why is everyone so angry? What does this right. anger mean? What does it mean that we can't have any kind of rational conversation yeah, without people exactly going that, yeah. mad and this and the tribalism and all the rest of it? And also it's something else, the show, which is a diary, because I've been on Twitter for 10 years talking about growing old, talking about anti-Semitism, talking about Brexit, all the stuff that's happened over the last yeah. 10 years. I've put that up on a notice board, thoughts about that, and I can go back to them now and say, oh, yeah, this is what I thought in doing that and blah, blah, blah. And it yeah. becomes a show partly about that as well. Um, but what I was going to say was that my initial reaction, and it still would be about right, is that when someone slags you off, because a lot of people said to me, both about the show and in general about my process with them, is, but doesn't it upset you mm. when someone slags you off? And the truth about that would be yes, and it's always hurtful. Yeah. But I find it not just like I've bested the troll if I've thought of something funny to say in reaction to them, Mm. I find actually in the moment of doing that that their abuse feels to me mentally like it becomes something else. It becomes a feed line. And in so doing, it's kind of healing, I find it. It's like not always, obviously, sometimes, and and in the show, some of the darkest bits of the show, because it does get very dark, I just show some really unpleasant (laughs) abuse and say, I couldn't do anything with this. It was just incredibly upsetting. Mm. I had to show it to my wife and cry, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so the show doesn't shy away from that. At the same time, I do genuinely believe that if you can be hurt, but then a second later thing, our material. I know how to make this funny. Yeah. It isn't just I've scored a little victory. It actually makes you feel I've healed to some Stronger. extent the wound yeah. caused by this abuse because it feels like something else now. 
I mean, as a comedian, it almost feels like, you know, on the best ones, like, oh, I'm quite glad mm. uh, that person <laughs> threw that at me because now I've thought something funny to say. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. from that point of view, I think it's constructive, you know. It was such an interest when I was reading up on it today. It was such an interesting take on it. Like like you like say like you just said, they're 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 hecklers. Yeah. And treating them as such. And because because my Mrs. Jade is she gets abused all the time because of her size. And her looks and whatever else, and I and you get protective being the partner, yes. and you straight. So I used to jump and go, "Who's this prick? Mm. What, are you, what are you saying? Yes, do you want to do you want to do you want to start slagging me off, mate? Right." And then Jay was like, "I appreciate that." She goes, "But that doesn't help either." And then she's like, "And it's not going to help you, is it? Because you're just going to be, you know, I, it was, I wasn't even using it in a productive way. I was literally using it as a like someone in a pub had called my missus a fat, a fat. Bird, but that's interesting, you know? Rich, that because I would say that's the natural response. Mm. The natural response is upset and anger." But what I think is that then you need to step back from that response. I yeah. mean, how would I react to this in a club and think like, okay, what I do in a club is essentially improvisational, yes. which is to say someone said something and I'm going to go with it. I'm going to say yes yeah. and to this, right? Um, so, you know, to choose a very simple example, something that was quite hurtful, right? Someone on Twitter had said something, about reading something about me and someone else said the only thing I want to read about you is your obituary wow right and I said oh well at least I'll get one eh yeah. right? meaning you, yeah, you won't, won't. right <laughs> but, but what I've done by doing that is say yes to him yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fine with what you've said but let's build on it yeah, yeah and see yeah. where we end up you know and Brilliant. that's essentially what I do with all of them unless it's so absurdly racist mm. or absurdly abusive that I think I can't do anything with that and maybe I am platforming the wrong people and the other thing is bots, which is a whole other thing. It's like sometimes you think, oh, no, wait a minute, this isn't even a real person. No. It's just someone who's paid to create. You know, yeah. They're not machines, by the way. When I say bots... No, they're, they're, they're people hiding behind... They're people who've got 27 sock puppet accounts who are paid for some reason by Vladimir Putin to abuse you and me and Jade. And Amazing. I don't know why. <laughs> I still don't know what how that crazy helps world we live in. Putin take over the world. It confuses <laughs> me. How does it work? How it, do, <laughs> I mean, I know Spectre are clever, but I, what, really... I was about I, to say, it's a different film, isn't it? Yeah, it is when we were kids and they yeah. send the robots off to, no. to fight battles. Now it's... Yeah. Someone with in a bra saying, all right, fatty. Yeah. What? No, exactly, exactly. I don't I don't get it. The only thing I, I vaguely know about that is that though a lot of those people, or at least whoever's controlling them, and it's not just one thing, it's not just Putin, it's also no. Trumpists and it's North Koreans and it's whoever it is, they are interested only in spreading hate and mm. anger and rage. <coughs> and that's I don't know what the ultimate purpose of that is, except... No, to divide us, maybe. I th- well... Yeah, which, well, so, which is what Twitter seems... Although it's not... We're not... Not everybody's on Twitter, are they? No, that's no. The percentages are very low. No, that's yeah. true. Uh, but one of the things I talk about in the show, from that point of view, you know, because you could say, well, what, what, you know, who cares? It's just people mm. slagging each other on, on a website. But unfortunately, it's very um, archetypal in culture, I think. I think what Twitter has done is set up a sort of model of behaviour which seems to be spreading out yes. far beyond the computer screen. Yes. You know, and you can see it. You can yeah. see it outside Parliament, inside Parliament, just in the way that there's this ridiculous anger that seems to infect everything. Yeah, you're and right. I personally think it started there, even mm. though Twitter itself only has 300 million global followers, it still seems to... It still spreads out, yeah. Well, as far as I can make it, it out. To be, yeah. And there's a lot of influential people on Twitter. You know, people say, again, like, oh, trolls, does they matter? Yeah, one of them is President of the United States. <laughs> one of them, an absolute yeah. archetypal troll, 
you know, A, the way he is on Twitter, yeah. like capital letters, oh, man. rage, conspiracy <laughs> theory. I mean, he's like a total, he should be called, you know, at Donald 1734572, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. he seems like a total bot, but also he's normalised a whole lot of other things, yes. including, you know, being absurdly obscene about, I mean, I'm seeing the angry about people and you know, like reacting furiously to everything, stupidity. Yeah. He's all, you know, everything about him. So it's not a fringe discourse we're talking about here. We're talking about something. He's at the that, core of it almost, isn't it? Well, I think he's of, certainly yeah. very important in it because mm. I think he, I mean, people say to me, I don't know that much about the history of social media, but people say to me that Twitter was actually sort of dying as a platform and yeah. then Trump revitalized it kind of single handedly. Wow. I mean, not, he wasn't trying to. No. But that's just part of what happened to it. But it would have, if someone in his position, Acting like he's he's talking about bobbing accounts, hmm. like the way he, the way he, like if you were in a if he was in like a normal office job, he'd have been binned. Oh yeah, don't totally. Because yeah, yeah. nothing about about Twitter is that it, it you know people talk about it as being less, and it certainly is less. Uh, people are less on it than Facebook. It's less current than Instagram and all that whatever. But when there's a big thing, yeah. It's always starting on Twitter. Yep. So like the diversity row at the moment about the Oscars and the BAFTAs, yes. that's Twitter. Yep. Um, whatever it is, good or bad, you know, the movement start on Twitter. And I think that's because it's easier than all mm. the others. You know, you can just say very quickly one thing and it can build very quickly yep. into a big thing where lots of people are saying the same things. Um, and that's, as I say, good and bad. Um, and But one thing about Trump is that it's interesting that like the mob can bring down almost anyone now. Almost anyone, you know, everyone looks over their shoulder all the time. Absolutely, now. everyone's yeah. worried about saying the wrong thing. It's a big problem for comedians because comedy is about yeah. saying the wrong yes. thing, yeah, and, yeah. and you know we're all worried about it. And no statement is made now without a sense of like, oh fuck, is Hang this on the one? Yeah. Is this the one? Let's go, blah blah. <laughs> Except by people who are so powerful that they can't be brought down, and that would be Donald Trump. You know, yeah. Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump. Couple of others, you know, because there's no question that could you imagine if he was slightly lower down or if he was just like a blo- an actor, yeah, and said some things he'd said, you know, he'd have been cancelled a long oh, time ago. But you, he can't be cancelled, no, he can't even. So, I talked about this today. I actually did a tweet about it today saying about do you remember when do you remember when Donald Trump was going to be impeached? And yeah, now, what happened this to that? Where yeah. now we're talking about this thing with Harry and Meghan, yes, has been pushed to the front. Because it's a distraction, obviously, from mm. all the other mad shit that's going on. Yeah, and yeah, in all, yeah, it's funny to see someone like Trump just be above it all. Yeah, and can say whatever he likes, and and it, it does. It's terrifying, to be honest. Yeah, when you see these people, you go, "Wow, what is it going to take?" Because they, but because then his supporters are so supportive as well. But I think what it takes is quite, in a way, it's sort of simple. I think that you have to be able to be sacked. Yeah, right. You have to. You have to have someone who watches. Twitter or whatever it might be, and thinks, oh, bloody hell, I'm going to sack that person. Yeah. I mean, I was talking about this yesterday about uh, a girl who, and this is a, a complicated subject, actually. Right. Uh, I, I was talking to a theatre director who was telling me about a production of The Colour Purple, and in The Colour Purple, um, which was on, it like, last year, one of the, a young woman who's 21 or something turned out that uh, a, a woman of colour had when she was 14, because her dad's a big evangelical preacher, had posted on Facebook all these homophobic, homosexuality is a sin Facebook posts, right? And there's a big fuss about it, and eventually she lost the job in The Colour Purple and whatever and all that kind of stuff. And so 
the key point about all that is it's very complicated because it mm. was a woman of colour this was happening to and yeah. you could tell that, that they were conflicted about it. But at the end of the day, the decision is with the people in power who were producing yes. that show. No one is... No able to do that with Trump. No, no. no one can decide how overall we think this person should be sacked for the things he said. <laughs> the only people who could do that are the American people, and unfortunately... They, they love him. Well, a well, few of them still do love him, yeah. Yeah, yeah but do. it's that blind... We were talking about this just now, before, before you arrived. We were talking about this blind adoration for people that, like with Michael Jackson, people won't listen to the stories that have come. They go, no, no, I really love listening to Thriller... I'm now going to make a point of not listening to the stories. Yes, well, I, I talk about them on my show. Right. Because uh, I've been trolled by them. Because some of the times, uh, you know, with my... I've got into quite a few Twitter storms. <laughs> Nothing so far that's been the absolute really big ones that you know about, but I've ended up in quite a few sort of locally, and one of them was... Uh, through tweeting about finding losing Neverland, right. which seemed to be like so obviously yeah. like, these people are telling the truth. Yeah, absolutely. So, so no question that they're yes. telling the truth. Uh, but I tweeted something about that, and next thing I knew, they were coming at me, the Michael Jackson's innocent trolls. Wow. I've also upset the McCann trolls. Oh, uh, wow. Right, who are I- incredible. These are incredible people. Mm. I mean, again, I don't know how many of them are real. No. Again, I start to think, like, are you real or are you just spreading madness yeah. for some weird political purpose that like you say really like that they're trying to divide us like you say even though it's on a website it does spread out into real life so that's obviously well, and also it isn't just about politics no that's the thing is that I think the a lot of the time the troll the people who are controlling the trolls that what they're interested in is muddying and confusing your idea of what truth is yes and that can include the McCann's yeah. and it can include Michael Jackson and all the rest of it but the ones who are real it's a very hard word to use, but as you're real, mm. you're absolutely right. Is they are a they are not able to contain the idea that their hero did that. Yes, and so therefore, you know, they have to convert the world and truth yeah. to their truth. That's the thing. Is thirty years ago, if someone had said to me, "There's a technology going to come along that's going to allow everyone to see into everyone else's life, everyone's opinions, everyone's thoughts. I would think, well, that'll increase the sum total of truth yeah. in the world. Surely <laughs> everything will be real true. And it's done the opposite. Yeah. Because, of course, people don't tell the truth. They tell their truth. Yes. Which, in their case, is that Michael Jackson was yeah. the, couldn't possibly have been a predatory paedophile. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? There's absolutely no way that can happen. Have you not heard Man in the Mirror? It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> That's their basic position, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like listen to that music. He can't possibly have done it. I mean, and then you watch the documentary, and you're like, he had a bed in yeah. every building on his, on his, in his fairground, and you're like, why would you do that? Yes. Why would we have a bed in the in the ghost house? <laughs> and Just, was there in the actual fairground? I yeah, it was like, you know, in his Neverland, wherever it was. It's like yeah. he had a station. It was like a train station. Yeah, yes. There was a bed in that, in, and then there was a bed somewhere else. Okay, what seems odd about that to me is that I mean, I I am not a paedophile. Uh, but no. uh, I would have thought that even a paedophile probably doesn't need to necessarily express their desires everywhere. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like he's got it's quite bit, a, it's a bigger it's a lot of land. Yeah, you know, exactly. Way. Yeah. Also, he had that thing. The thing, you know, like both of them said, didn't they? That he had this strange system, which always struck me as being kind of Heath Robinson-y, like this bells. Like it sounded yes. like it wasn't like a proper alarm system. It was like constructed by one of the people who probably worked for him, who's a bit fairy tale of like bells and it's street, a bit famous strings. five, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. That some, if someone walked along and he was there with a the young boy, then that all these bells would ring, and then he would just 
Well, that was an old yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you think he's a multimillionaire? Have a proper. I, I'm not suggesting for one minute that you should put an alarm system in at all. No. When you're a paedophile. No. But if you were going to be a paedophile. <laughs> yeah. So when you could have a better you, alarm yeah. system than that. There's absolutely. some bells that you got from Wix. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, exactly. But I think in a way it's consistent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. With Michael's own idea of like the Wonderland. Yes. Like even yeah, the, yeah, yeah. even the, oh, a man is going to come along and see that I'm a paedophile alarm system has to be a bit Christmassy. I'm going to make. <laughs> Gonna make it like home alone. Yeah, exactly. Make it like home alone. Because Macaulay's here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh god. See, we're making connections. Yeah, see? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, what I was gonna say though, Sorry, I, mean, yeah, I think they're a long way back. I was gonna say that I have a couple of times recently, particularly recently, I think, uh having been absolutely someone who kind of decided no this is how I deal with trolls mm. I sort of like it I found a way of doing it it's like hecklers it's funny people blah 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 I've started to get quite down about it yes um, and I think that's partly just to do well it's to do just with like my own mental health which is mm. changes all yeah. the time uh, but also it's to do with um, volume so in the old days I think uh, if I got trolled I don't know 20 times a day mm. Uh, I could sort of go in there with my, you know, lightsaber wit right. uh, and sort of like deal with them. But yeah. now so it can onslaught. be 2,000, yeah. you know. Wow. And then you think, oh, I can't deal with them all and I'm going to have to sort of, I feel slightly defeated by this, I'm going to have to ignore it or I'm going to have to just look at, you know, my people who follow me or whatever. I mean, yes. interesting enough, Danny Baker, here's an interesting thing about Danny Baker, is that he told me before all that happened mm. to him, he told me, oh, I assume I'm getting slagged off, so I don't look at my notifications. Oh, yeah, I just follow the people yeah. I follow. I was one of the people he follows, so he knows what I'm saying. Yeah. And I sometimes have a chat to you or whatever, but I just assume people are slagging me off, so I don't... don't why would anyone it. want to do that? Because, yeah. of course, uh, um, you're in the cyber stocks. <laughs> of course, people are saying horrible things about yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Well known. So that's interesting, because it must have taken him a while tragically to discover that things had gone very wrong yeah, yeah. Uh, for him when that happened because he wouldn't have been checking it have seen himself trending and thought fucking hell oh god yeah. yeah that would have been bad but i mean my point is that i feel like oh i don't like it if i think like oh god you know i'm being slagged off by i mean like the other day that happened mm. like and it was a Corbynista thing right uh which was again like it's just a fucking joke really there was footage just after the Soleimani yes. thing of the Iranian parliament, and they were all chanting in Persian, death to America, yes. right? And I said, I think I could just make out a brief modulation into, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what that was really a joke about? It was, wasn't was even really a joke about Corbyn supporting the Iranians. No. It was really a joke about the fact that um, people had alerted me to the, to the fact that at New Year, they'd played Three Lions at the London fireworks display. Okay. And I thought, oh, that's great, whatever. Yeah. yeah, but then I noticed that, oh, Jeremy Corbyn was trending, and it was because the Corbynites had decided that everyone was singing, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, which they were. Which they were, they, no. they were just singing along to Seven Nations <laughs> Army. And I thought, oh, I mean, that's a good example of bending the world, like you yeah. were talking about with the Mark Jackson thing. Like, I listened to it a couple of times, they're clearly not. They're just going, no. duh, 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 duh. <laughs> that's what they're doing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So really it was just a joke about how people will hear, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, in whatever they want to hear that's it right, in. Yeah. But then suddenly there it, were over a 1,000 responses to yes. that, and I would say... 
90% of them will be horrible. Yeah. And so, because they want to they want to vent and say yeah. horrible things. Yeah. So they so like you said, they manipulate the, everything so they can go, oh, all right, now I'm outraged now and I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Because they really just want to give it to you. They do. They? But yeah. also, I mean, I, something I do also say in the show, sorry about saying that quite no, a lot. Sorry, but something I, I say in the show quite a is, and actually this is in relevance to the Michael Jackson thing, is that... So, you know, people talk about silos on social media, right? Mm. So, you know, if you believe in Brexit, you only really hear other people who believe in Brexit and vice versa yeah. or whatever. And that's a problem, right? But actually, there are people who very much go out of their silos, including the Michael Jackson people, because my my Michael Jackson thing started when a woman, who's a Michael Jackson innocent person, okay. found a tweet that I'd done from 2009. Bloody hell. In 2019, right? Yeah. It was a joke about him uh, dying, just after he died. It was a joke about how uh, it maybe he'd been killed by the stress of 50 dates in the O2. <laughs> I think he thought it was a big oxygen tent, right? That was the joke. It was yeah, in yeah, 2009. Yeah. And then she slags me off in 2019. Brilliantly, a bloke underneath wrote, well, that escalated slowly, which, which I really love. I really love, right? Yeah. But my, I think, oh, what that woman is doing, because she is searching the searching, internet yeah. for a, things that offend yes. against her identity, yeah. because what she wants is to be offended against so that she can confirm yeah. her identity in anger. And that's what it is, isn't it? It's yeah. that confirmation. Yeah, it's, it's like, if I get really for. angry about this, that proves what a big Michael Jackson fan I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. Is yeah. it's all about the person, isn't yeah. it? It's all about them trying because everybody. I think like, human beings want to be want to feel important. Like we, when really, when you look at the, the universe and everything around it, we're just the speck on yeah. the, in amongst it all. Yeah. And human beings have this weird. We need to feel important, and we need to feel that I'm more important than you, which is where all this sort of seems to stem from. Yes, but I think there's a, something else as well, which particularly now, which is about. It's feeling important and there's identity, a very connected thing. Yes. They're, they're, they're possibly the same thing at some level. But what I mean is that the the way to feel important isn't just abstract. It's in, You feel important because you think, well, this is who I am. I'm very left-wing or I'm a big Michael Jackson fan yeah. or I'm very believe in Brexit. That's who I am. Yeah. So we're not what we eat, we're what we believe. Yes. Right. And actually, I don't think that's true. I think we're much more complex than mm. our beliefs, and sometimes our beliefs are all mixed up, and we're all confused, whatever. But it changes, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it changes all the time. With, exactly, it changes with time. And also, sometimes you hear something and think, "Oh, my belief's not right," or whatever. If you're yeah. a, if you're a thinking person, but sadly, people don't want that because that's confusing for them and confusing for this thing of like, I need to say here I am. Yes. And if, if I want to say here I am, I need to have a very very Concrete. clear identity, yeah. and that. Is hashtag Michael Jackson is innocent? You know what I mean? Or whatever it <laughs> Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever your whatever your beliefs, that's you. That's you. Oh, yeah. 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 And I'm not. And so therefore, if he does a joke about that, and this this is very much in my show, is like mm. this is a joke. It's clearly a joke, and yet all these people got very angry about it. So what's happening is a, a joke about say Nigel Farage looking like he's having a piss <laughs> becomes an attack personally on a Brexit party supporter. Yes. Yeah, 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 and it yeah. could be anyone having a piss. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's it's a it's a joke because he looked when he turned around at the European Parliament, he looked like he was having a piss. So I did a joke about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and really, it's not a joke. I mean, much forgetting about my politics, not really a joke at the expense of Brexit Party members. No, but they don't care anymore. No, they're, jokes. The the thing about that's the thing is it about jokes. They want because they're looking for the outrage, and mm. if you make a joke about against someone that they like, then they, straight away they're like, well, you clearly are anti them, and you're anti us, and you're anti this, yeah. you're anti that. 
you're like, no, I'm a comedian. Yeah. I'm making a joke about this. Yes. I've made about a joke about them the other day. You know, yeah. to no, your... exactly. But it's get, that is, I, I genuinely think it is dangerous for comedy. I mean, in a different way from all the free speech people, um, because I don't quite believe that either. I don't quite believe in the sort of Andrew Doyle, you know, oh, you know, free speech is being stopped by the woke or whatever. I think it's much more complicated than that. Yeah. I think what we're talking about is much more of an issue, which is that people's identity, whatever you're making a joke about, whatever side of the political spectrum it might be, you'll find someone who thinks that this offends against yes. my identity. And then that goes and, back to that. And it'll be about that. And they're not looking at what the actual joke is. No. Because, you know, like, what's the target in this joke? And they don't care. It, it includes the words that trigger me off. That's it. And you know? um, yeah, and then that goes back to like what we were saying just now about them, that that justifies who they are, Yeah. which is what they're really searching for in the first place, yeah. isn't it? But in terms um, of mental yeah. health, yeah. to get back to what this podcast is about, <laughs> um, is, is I, yeah, is quite, I unquestionably do sometimes get down about it. Do you, because there's so many... Because you get so many responses now, because there's so many, because of who you are, do you not? Do you have to put time in your put aside time? Do you, do you say like, oh, right today, all right, I'm going to spend the next hour on Twitter? Like, do you have to no. put stuff aside? Do you just sort of like flick on it and suddenly you're lost? No, it's an addiction. Yeah, I mean, going back to mental health, I'm yeah. definitely addicted to it, and I have made some kind of you know comedy capital out of that mm. you know I, I i think i'm someone you know i'm from an immigrant background and i think i'm always thinking oh god how can i transform this somehow <laughs> into something that actually is going to stop me from starving you know yeah. and so i mean my whole life in a way has been that it's been like oh you know i want to be able to do what i want to do but i want to be able to somehow monetize that's that, right absolutely you know? yeah, yeah. and and twitter's definitely become part of that for me because i spend a lot of time on it and there's a lot of funny stuff that happens on it um but I am definitely quite addicted to it, and I think it is a problem. Mm. Um, partly as well, just like my wife isn't on it. It's not on any social media. Right, it's okay. the opposite of me in many respects. She's a very, very private person. Yeah. I'm an absurdly public person, not in the sense that I want to be on everything, but when I am on something like this, yeah, we are. my yeah. tendency is just I completely open my, you know, Mind, I don't, I don't inhibit myself because I can't really have a sort of on the spectrum problem with yeah. inhibiting myself, and she's the opposite. So that's good in the way it works for us in many ways, but it also means that she basically doesn't like me being on Twitter all the time. No, but also not just from like, oh, you're not present in the family, whatever, and we're spending all our time telling my son not to be on screens, oh, and yeah, you're yeah, fucking yeah. that up, you fucking idiot, which is totally fair. Yeah, but also. When the Twitter storms have happened, she can see it's starting to really bring me down. Of course, yeah. Then she, you know, and then yeah. she's like, "Why are you doing this?" And uh, and sometimes I don't know what the answer to that is. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, it's that addiction, isn't it? It's like when yeah. you see someone that's addicted to booze or whatever, and you'd see the damage that it's doing mm. to them, and you love that person, and it's a very similar thing. I know people go, oh, "It's just a website." You go, "No, it's it's more than that." They're, like you say, it is an addiction, and mm. it is it is it does become problematic. Well, I think for and, comedians. Yeah. It's difficult not to be on it. I partly, oh, absolutely, partly because it sells tickets, yeah, unquestionably. But also a more deep thing, which is it feeds a need in me to have an audience at all times. Yes, you know, if yeah, I think yeah, of a yeah. joke at three o'clock in the afternoon, I can't go and do a gig at three o'clock in the afternoon no. to express <laughs> that joke. But I can put it on Twitter, and if I get six thousand likes, I feel I've got the big laugh that That's I it, wanted yeah. with that joke. And that, as a comedian, is a brilliant thing. But it's addictive. Yes, you know, absolutely. and then and then someone slags off the joke because one thing that is I've also noticed and do also talk about in the show is that it's such a win lose game because the game 
is how many likes can I get, how many yes. retweets. But the more of them you get, the more hate you will get. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely the case. The more successful the tweet is, the more... I just will see it coming. As soon as one's like got more than about a 1,000 likes, you've got, I thought, wait for it, and then it'll be like people really hating it, yeah, including yeah, yeah. always people saying... No one else thinks this. Like, it's just got a thousand likes. Yeah, someone does. Yeah, someone yeah. clearly does. The maths are quite obvious. <laughs> yeah, the numbers are there. Yeah, what do exactly. you want? Yeah. But again, it's these fact deniers. They're just they're yeah. like, no, no, yeah. no. It's bullshit. Because yeah. yeah. But Joe Rogan, love him or hate him, it, it, what he said a really interesting thing where he just said he'll tweet and just drop, just drop his phone, won't even look at it. Right. He's like, so he gets it out there. Yeah. He's like, I want to say a thing. Yeah. And then I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look at the reaction. Yes. Well, that's sort yeah. of what I was saying about Danny Baker until it went wrong for him. Um, and I sometimes, I'm, I'm moving towards that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, without wishing to get too detailed about stupid old Twitter, I've noticed that what I do sometimes now is I'll post a joke or whatever, and then instead of looking at notifications, I'll just stick on my page and see mm. what it's getting. Okay. Right. And then I, if it starts to get, I mean, the likes and the retweets are one thing, but if it starts to get loads and loads of responses, oh, written yeah, responses, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. then I know there's loads of hate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Virtually, yeah. that's where the hate is. You know, people who have bothered to respond in detail to something yeah. you've said. Unless it's unless it's sometimes I mean, and this is the upside of Twitter. You know, you start a thread about I mean, I had this big thing about breakfast when I was on tour, I was posting pictures of my breakfast. Yeah, because I, saw I, that. Found, well, yes. because I found it impossible not to have a full English breakfast when I'm on tour. <laughs> and I was trying not to have it, because I think yeah. this doesn't do me any good, but it's what's available. Yes. Every time I go down to the Marriott, Swansea or wherever I'm staying, that's what's available because I'm touring in Britain. And yeah. how do I not have this? Yeah. Once it's there, who's not going to have sausage exactly. bacon and eggs and beans? Do you know what I mean? And and so I was posting that, trying to say, stop me. And then people started talking in detail about the architecture of every plate that I had put together. Because it was always me putting it together from a buffet and how it was wrong because the eggs were touching the beans. Or whatever it might be. And I said that. I said that to someone else. I said, his eggs are touching the beans. Yeah, people very upset that eggs and beans touching. Like, apparently that's illegal. You can't have uh, bean juice on your eggs, David. Yeah, no, no. The, the, uh, I'll get, I probably shouldn't say this, but anyway, the OCD nature of the plating of the full English breakfast. There's a fault yeah. line in the British public. Where people are very, very concerned about it. And things like that, you can get loads of responses, and yeah. they're brilliant. They're actually brilliant. You know, people like... Or, or actually, I'm going to show this in the show. Like, there's all these brilliant responses, and then one person just screenshots my sausage and eggs and bacon and says, all I see is death. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. It's brilliant, it's right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's nice that that it inspired that response. Yeah, yeah, no, brilliant. no, no, no. Uh, so, so you can sometimes it's, it means that you've started a thread of comedy. Yes, and I like that. I like that, and you feel like the conductor of a huge comedy orchestra, and, and that's lovely. Yeah. But most of the time, if you see loads and loads of responses, it means that you know you've upset some hornet's nest, <laughs> and they're and they're out to get you. Your next episode is a podcast for people bursting into their 40s, 50s and beyond. Talking to people like Laura Dodsworth. One thing I didn't consider at all with manhood until I'm in my first shoot and I thought, what the fuck am I doing? I was on my knees in front of a man I don't know at all photographing his penis. I thought, oh, I'm going to be doing this a hundred times. And people like Sober Dave. When you give up drinking, you feel everything. You know, all your emotions come out because before you'd numb them before. So Mm. all of a sudden it's like, what is this? What? Mm. How am I going to deal with this? Mm. You know, before it be, oh, I just get drunk and it goes away. Yeah. I'm Amy. I'm Louise. Join us for your next episode. Buy your favourite podcast app. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production. The thing with uh, Danny Baker, yeah, because it was I. There were, it was the outrage was massive, and 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 I remember, and I was saying, well, I'm like, no, he's used that picture before, and I remember, like, Danny Baker has been a part of my life since mm. I was a kid. I remember mm. being on the was it the six o'clock show, or whatever it was with the years ago when I was a kid on like a Friday night show, or whatever it was. And so he's always been there, and you you go, I you would have known by now if he if he was racist in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, but I think was, the problem with that, the problem with it is, I am absolutely sure that he did not mean to post that no. in a racist way. But the problem is that I think we live in a world where impact is more important than yes. intent now. And also, what I would say, particularly as a Jew, is it is not my place to tell black people, to tell people of color, that they whether or not they think something is racist. Oh, of course, think, no, and I no, think no, that's, no. Yeah. I think. If they found that racist and if the impact of it yes. was racist, and certainly it could be taken as such, mm. then I'm not going to tell them it isn't, no. really. Um, because I, I have enough of people so, uh, with me saying this is anti-Semitic, saying to me, no, it's not. I'm thinking, like, well, how do you know? How do you know? Yeah, how do you exactly. know? Because yeah, you've never yeah, experienced yeah. Yeah, this. Yeah, right. So, I, so uh, you know, I, on yeah. a personal level, I absolutely think Danny Baker, I know Danny Baker is not a racist, but I'm not. that doesn't mean that I'm you going can't to deny the experience yeah. of people who found that. Yeah, you're racist, right. Because you know. I did a couple of times. I commented, I went, I went, no, no, he's used that picture before, and you're right. It, it, they came out and went, well, that's not the issue. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Like you just said, you know, oh yeah, shit. What who am I to again? Who am I to say what's offensive, what isn't, what is racist? Actually, the thing so, at the yeah. moment with Meghan Markle, I think you know, it's a ridiculous culture war around it. Yeah. But I a I'd say again, you know, people of color feel that it's absolutely their lived experience but i personally agree anyway mm. i think i think the fact that you can't find a specific ex- or many specific examples as the various white men and white who are saying no it's not racist you know there's 
she's been made into a villain. Yes. She's been made in very quickly. And I think it crosses over with lots of other things. So it's definitely racist. It's also misogynist because she's an older woman. She's older than Harry. Right. Right. She's divorced. She's an actress. So that yeah. you know, goes back to the 19th, 19th century attitudes to these things. <laughs> and it fits a story of like, oh, sort of what we want really. Because what they really want is story. They yes. want to, and they want pantomime. And Kate's the good wife and she's the bad yes. wife. And certainly race is in that mix and certainly are being old. There's all sorts of ways yeah. in which they want to play that out and it's got nothing to do in a way with who the real person is. No. Someone put a thread up yesterday and they said, this is why this is this is racist. And they put different... Um, Images of Kate. Kate and... Uh, those are Megan. amazing. And they are amazing. Wow. They are amazing. I mean, I think, I think it's racist and I think it's other things as well. Yes. So I think it's the decision unconscious decision for various reasons including skin colour why the press have decided no no we're going to make her into the villain yeah you know into the villain and and because you know they don't want happiness no the last thing they want is happiness <laughs> there's no they, money to be made in peace is there in, yeah and, oh it all worked out <laughs> that's the end of the fucking story they don't want that you know they love all these people like outraged again it's outrage yeah. all these particularly these kind of conservative companies outraged about it they are so happy about the outrage yeah, that they're, they're able to write about. But we were talking about, because all the while, you know, Prince Andrew just, they go, oh, you're not having a birthday party this year. And it kind of gets pushed out of the way. And right. it, we were talking about you, uh, poor Princess Eugenie. Yeah. She's having a big wedding and, it's, and they're like, yeah, you're, unfortunately, you're going to have to just have a low-key affair. And yeah. That poor girl's not done anything. No, I know. I, I do feel sorry for her. Yeah. But I hardly know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Is is another thing. Well, yeah. There is another thing. That, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've said this. Actually, something that happens on Twitter as well is I've said, there was some poll that I read about uh, with... 37% of people think Harry and Meghan should do this and 42% think that and blah, blah, blah. And I said, it seemed to miss out the 87% who don't give a fuck. And a, a, a number of people said that should be 92 or whatever or 94 or whatever. But, uh, and then of course I got this Twitter thing of saying, well, I noticed that you've taken the, you've bothered to tweet about how you don't care. Oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, I get your point. But we are told, we are being told that we care yes. all the time. We are being told by the media all the time that this is a really big issue. And I don't care. No. Not really. I mean, no. I, I'm interested in it. And I and I agree that, that something really pernicious is going on mm. with the treatment of Meghan Markle. But at some level, I just think it's a bunch of aristocrats from a ridiculously outdated institution yeah. <laughs> that people... Actually, someone was on telly two days ago saying something I've never heard before. I thought it was a really good thing to say. It was, And it was a small thing and no one really noticed it. But we are told... The royal family, they make a lot of money for this country. A lot of tourists come to this country. Yes. You know, they, they earn their money, blah, blah, blah. And I've always sort of accepted that. Sort of like, yeah, I suppose so. I don't know much about tourism, whatever. Yeah. And someone was on telly, a woman was on telly saying, you know, in France, they don't have one. They have loads of palaces. People still go and oh, yeah. see the palaces. <laughs> right? And she said more people go and see palaces in France than go and see buildings here. Yeah. And she also said a brilliant thing. And she said, and you know when those people who come here because of the royal family, they don't see the royal family. <laughs> The royal family don't meet them, oh, yeah. right? They just go and hang out outside Park. They don't have to be in there. So it's and just about the buildings. Yeah, it's a good point, because if we did get rid of the royal family, no one said we're going to burn down all the buildings. No. Because that's what people come and see, isn't it? Windsor Castle, it'll still yeah. be there. So, I, I so it's a load of bollocks. It's a load of bollocks. It is a load of bollocks. Yeah. It's a load of bollocks, and it is, to some extent, all a confection you know, to sell newspapers and to convince people that there yeah. is meaning in life. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? That's the thing as well, yeah. isn't it? It's that, it's that yeah. oh, there has to be a reason why we're here. Yes, there has and to be a reason really, why we're here. Yeah, and depending and on what you believe, you might, yeah. well, it's not, we're just here. I mean, when I do get depressed, because I've, ter- I've had terrible depression mm. over my life, and I don't have it as badly now. It's still there in the background all the time. Do you have? Do you know how to deal with it, or do you think that the things that were causing it have gone? Or I, I, well, I think the things that are causing it were always there, mm. and, and then got worse. I was very bad in my thirties, um, and I took a lot of antidepressants, and right. I was in a lot of therapy and all that kind of stuff. And I think. Children made a massive difference to me, actually, yeah. um, because I think one of the things, very straightforwardly, that happens with depression is that you ruminate all the time about yourself. You yeah. get self-obsessed in a very extreme way and you can't get out of your own thoughts and you sort of have to, once you have children, mm. you sort of have to finally yes. <laughs> see the world from another perspective, which That's is it. the key thing. I would say that you need to do when you're depressed is like not be in your own head. Yeah, um, and that definitely was part of it. I think also. Like all sorts of things that I don't really want to get into about relationships, I sort of sorted out. Um, but I'm talking and all the stuff that is important, and that I was in this thing, Calm. It was a yes, charity yes, yes. that I, I, which is a charity designed for men specifically mm. for men under forty, who, as I'm sure you know, are yes. the greatest at risk from suicide. Um, <laughs> this, I'll tell you the truth about Calm: is I had just started taking my a daughter who is my older child to primary school and I'd never taken a child to primary school before and I just was doing it and literally third day I'm doing it a woman comes up to me uh, and a mum there and says I'm starting this charity and it's for you know men and mental health in men and would you like to be the patron of it and my first thought was all oh, right so I come to this place every day if I say no She's going to be looking oh, yeah. at me every day like, you cunt, you uncaring, <laughs> pretending to be interested in mental health cunt. I'm going to be looking at her eyes every day across the playground. I'm going to have to say yes, aren't I? And God knows what else these parents will be able to get out of me because I can't escape this, right? So I said yes, but I am glad I did it because I think it's now yeah. a big... Uh, I don't do it anymore because I felt I was too old. I oh, really? It's, yeah, well, it's for men underfoot. The, the charity... Is specifically, I don't know why this is. Mm-hmm. It's not like you grow older and everything's fine. No, I'm worrying about death. <laughs> but anyway, men under forty are the most at risk. Right. And I did it. I started doing it when I was in my thirties, and then I just thought they should have a younger man doing this. It was Professor Green for a yeah, while, I and yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if he still does it or not. But anyway, they provide a helpline and various other things, support yes. for men. A lot of time, to be honest, working class men who are not used to the idea that what you do when you get depressed is deal with it by going to therapy and asking for antidepressants. You know, yeah. their, their experience is to just be quiet and silent and, and to kill themselves is yeah. the truth or to attempt to do so. And that's what Calm tries to help with and is good mm. with, de- with dealing with that. Um, there was a reason why I brought that up. Oh, yes, which was to do with what we just said about Harry and Meghan, which is I, I think that... Um, I, I You know, I'm, I'm quite... I'm sort of an upbeat person at some level, but there's a part of me that can get very bleak. Right? Yeah. And I'm sure you're like that. Same, well, absolutely right? the same. Yeah. Right? And and uh, I sometimes do think when with all the noise of this stuff, like 
is this just here to make us convinced that, you know, yeah, there is a purpose to life, there are things to think about yeah. that are not just, we are meaningless, we will die soon. You know, that seems to be, isn't that what that's there is there, there is That yeah. seems to be that we have that unquenchable thirst to... That's why we shoot ourselves off into space. Yeah. That's why we do all these things. We go into the ocean. For significance. Because we're trying to, yeah, well, it was like we have to prove that we are important. Yeah. And, and there is a reason that we're here. Yeah. It's not just a case of being a chemical reaction. No. That got out of hand and then we were suddenly formed. And No, that's right. Yeah. I, mean, I, wrote, I wrote a play that was just on in Soho Theatre called God's Dice. Yeah. And it was a play about religion and physics. And in it, uh, a girl, uh, a student, comes up with sort of equations that seem to prove the existence of God. And without giving too many spoilers, Alan Davis, who plays the main character in it, who's her teacher, who's a physics lecturer, becomes essentially wooed partly by her, but also by the idea that there is a meaning to life. Having right, been yeah. a physics teacher, and, yeah. and one thing physics will tell you is that there isn't, right, if you understand <laughs> yeah. it properly, that there really isn't. It's all just numbers, whatever. Yeah. And he's married to... Uh, a woman who is like a rich Richard Dawkins okay. sort of figure. She's like a big celebrity atheist, and it was very interesting the reactions in the to in the audience because my voice in the play is her voice, is the Richard Dawkins oh, atheist voice. Right. That was totally my voice. But there were loads and loads of people who came away from that play, including Quentin Letts, who gave it four stars in Sunday Times, right. um, who's a believer and you know quite right wing and all sorts of yeah. things. I'm not. And he found it, he just thought it was a huge plea for faith and meaning in a sort of cold, secular universe. And it wasn't, no. but having said that, I am totally somebody who believes that you can take what you like from a work of art and it's up to Absolutely. you. Absolutely, that's what, yeah. And in a way, I was pleased about it. Whatever you think about Quentin Letts, well, I was pleased about it because I thought, well, I, I wanted to write the religious girl in it as a genius. Okay. Right? And as someone who, fucking hell, she might have come up with things well, that prove, to prove yeah. that miracles happen and that God exists and whatever. And my point was, we all yearn for that. Like in the play, there's a bit where a, there's a quote from this imaginary book that the atheist has written called The Belief System, which is mm. sort of her version of the God delusion. And okay. it, it begins with her saying, a, a good friend of mine once said to me, don't you want to believe in God? And I said, yes, desperately. That's how I know he doesn't exist. <laughs> right? And I, I really believe that. Yeah. I really believe that. It was actually Omid Jalili who said right. that to me. We did a movie called The Infidel. That yes, I yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, he was in a track, and Omid is a Baha'i and a believer. And he said that to me. He said, don't you want to believe in God? I said, yeah, that's why I know he doesn't exist, because everyone wants to fucking believe of in course. God. That's why we've projected him into the skies. <laughs> that's, that's what we've done. It would be it would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, okay, it, I, I would absolutely. And, I, and the older I get, the more open I am. I mean, I think, I think that the, maybe that's, like you say, you, you, the older you get, so the nearer to death you yeah. get, and so you start to be a bit weaker. Oh, maybe I need to sort of hedge my bets a little bit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> See, I don't think I'm thinking that. I don't think I, I, I... Actually, Frank Skinner, who is a believer, yes, once said to me, and this, or not to me, actually, I think to other people, he said, there are no atheists in foxholes, he said, meaning that, you know, as soon as you're frightened of death, you start believing in God. And I kind of think, like, maybe you do doesn't mean that God exists that means you're frightened yeah that's what that means and, <laughs> yeah. you know they do all sorts of things when you're frightened they don't logically <laughs> have any basis in objective truth um, but I I can't imagine that you know and trust me I have no you know I, I hate death mm, death is course. a real bummer yeah I think and the closer I get to it the less I'm looking forward to it well you and I, I, I've not as yet, I've not really had anyone close to me pass on yet. Haven't you? No, not really. How old are you? I'm 47. And your parents so are both My are parents there. are still there, still there. Oh, wow. My grandparents, <clears throat> my, my nan I'm close to now. My, my granddad 
died when he was 52 in 1977. So I was only five. Yeah. Um, my dad's mum and dad were never really close to them. They were horrible people. And so the only person, I'm, the people I'm close to is still around. So right. I've yet to, I've yet to is go your, through. Is your nan still alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old is yeah, she? She's ninety. Right. She's just gone into a home. Right. And I, I see her because she used to travel the world and she'd be, she, she'd be flinging herself all over the place. And now I just see her just sat in this chair mm. and she's just waiting to go. Mm. And I found, I find that, yeah, really upsetting. Yeah. Well, um, as you may know, I've also done quite a lot of stuff about my dad. Yeah. Dementia. That, yes. Although he wasn't yeah. like that. Um, he is much more like that now. But right. my whole shtick and I did a documentary about it as well that's about right, my yeah. dad is he's really not like that he's you know uh, he had this thing called Pick's disease that's what he was diagnosed with which uh, is symptoms include things like swearing and yeah. uninhibited behaviour and rage and laziness uh, and uh, all things he was like already right? <laughs> all, all things you know I, you know I think the joke was I, I said to the doctor sorry is this a disease or have you just met him right? <laughs> Because he was literally just my dad. It was Colin Bedell's disease that he seemed to get, right? Because he was always that, like, like the most furious, most lazy, yeah. most, you know. I actually very much loved my dad, but he wasn't a good dad. No. You know, he was a good bloke, yeah. but he was not a good not dad, a good dad at all, yeah. no. And uh, and he, that's still what he's like, even though he's much more he's much more in the in the throes of Latin dementia. Okay. So he's, most of the time he's pretty quiet right. and whatever. Um, but he is still in there, actually, the other day. He had to go to hospital the other day. And I wasn't there as carer, took him to hospital. But um, basically, one of his eyes just started to droop and we were worried it might I be a stroke. Your, yes. Yeah, so the carer told me that the doctor was tapping at his face and the, and the doctor said to him, does that hurt? And my dad said... If you carry on doing that, it will do. <laughs> so there he is. He's yeah. still he's there. Still there. <laughs> he's, still, he's still in there. Yeah. He's still in there. So that I love that because it suggests mm. that there's some sort of life to him. But you're right. You know, at some point you're just waiting for death. Yeah, and it, it upsets me to see it. And well, and it, even worse for you, like you say, your dad. You see your dad just just kind of floating away. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Although. You never saw my, my, my family show. In a way, my family show, which was actually mainly about my mum's sex life, I my was, late mum's sex life. Well, I was listening but, to the James O'Brien podcast you yeah. did a couple of years ago. and Yeah, it's you, mainly about my mum's favourite memorabilia salesman. That was mainly what it was about. And, and then she started selling... They started you know, she, you know, she had an affair with a golf member and then turned her whole life over to golf. <laughs> I mean, she suddenly became a golf fanatic, having never mentioned golf before. Not even golf. And started a golf. business, started a business selling golfing memorabilia. She started the same business that the bloke she was having an affair <laughs> did. So I always thought I must have pissed him off enormously. What does he want a competitor for? Let alone this woman he's shagging, right? <laughs> she turned out to be really good at it. <laughs> yeah, well, she was good at it. She did. She had a really good business, Golfiana, which was even the name of his business. She just nicked the name of his business. And my mum was very very mad but but she was she did make a success of it and the brilliant thing is that my dad somehow never noticed that, that this was because my dad was always just a bloke who you know went to the pub and ate and just wanted his own you know stuff he doesn't didn't really wasn't didn't take any interest in, in his wife at no. some level so <laughs> probably quite happy that she was off well i don't think, i think at the end of the I, you know what i don't actually even know because no. and won't ever know now because my dad won't remember it um but um you know, that, in a way that, you know, both halves of that show were about death. Mm. My mum died and the impulse for that show was, I'm not going to be at a memorial service where people make up that my mum was this sort of angel. She was nuts. That's what you were she, saying. She was nuts yeah. and, and it erases her again out of existence. If you say she was a lovely mum and she just did everything right yeah. in her life, that completely erases who she was. So I'm going to celebrate 
but she was nuts she and <laughs> behaved completely in the wrong way. And it was sort of brilliant in, uh, I mean, damaging, you know, Absolutely, undeniably course, damaging, yeah. but still <clears throat> sort of brilliant. And it's the same with my dad from a position of life, which is I'm not just going to say, oh, well, he's got dementia, that's the end of him. Look how mm. he's like him in, yeah. in a really <laughs> strange and mad way with dementia. So it's sort of the both of them are sort of, Saying I'm not going to let death just erase my yeah. Dent, you know, who we are. Yeah, and you're, and then you having kids as well. You mentioned this, and this is very interesting. When, because we we sort of look at our parents and go, well, the the way they did things was the was the right way. Uh, when you're younger, you kind of because they're your parents, and then yeah, as you get younger. older, you go, actually, you know, that's mad. Yeah, completely. Mad. Yeah, like with my, with my kids. Initially, when they were when they were very little, you kind of followed the template of your own parents, mm. and then as you go on, I go, no, actually, that's I, no, that's that was a bit fucked. That bit, yeah. I'm not going to do that with mine. I've found now mine are older. Mine are 22 and 27, and I've I, literally, as we've been talking now, I realise why I've been feeling so depressed lately is because now they've grown up and they're off living their life. Right, and I, they don't need me. No, I know that. that is worrying when that happens. Yeah, and now I'm like, I've been, I've been, it's been debilitating. Has it? Yeah, that because I've just for the last twenty odd years I've been a dad and I've been yeah. making sure they're all right and they've yeah. got everything they need. Yeah, and now they've gone off. Yes, and I'm left with oh shit. What do I do? No, <laughs> well that is a that is a thing. I mean, I remember seeing. I can't remember what film it was now. Uh, I think it was Boyhood. Do you remember that film, Boyhood? Yeah, I know of it. Um, it was it. about a few years ago, and it, it was filmed over a long period of time by Richard Linklater, right. and he used the same actor as a baby. Yes, yes. And he filmed it over, like, 14 years That's or right, something. That's right, yeah. And a friend of mine, Pete Bradshaw, he's the Guardian Cinema Critic, talked a lot in the uh, in his review, very painfully, and I thought it was a, not much people talk about this, about how one thing that's difficult about watching the film as a parent is that thing of, of the loss of seeing your child grow up. Yeah. You know, that even though obviously that's the main thing you're meant to do is shepherd yeah. them into adulthood, at some level it's always incredibly upsetting. And with my son, who I talk quite a lot about in, in my show because yeah. he's turned into an online troll, well, not an online and offline troll. Right. Yeah, I mean, my son is unbelievable. I mean, he's hilarious. He's hilarious, which is his saving grace. But he's like, he's he's fifteen, yeah. and his attitude to me is totally scornful and whatever. But he, there's no record in him of the incredibly sweet boy he was. With my daughter, that's not really true. My daughter's eighteen. Mm. I can see a continuum between her and the lovely girl yes. that she was. With my son, it's like he sort of says, "No, fuck off, that person, <laughs> that sweet kid, fuck him." See, right? yeah. Essentially, here I am trampling on that sweet kid's head <laughs> like a kitten's, right? right? And you have to live with that, right? My my youngest is the same. Right. My youngest is very. When he was a kid, I remember because we split up with their mum and I split up when probably about twenty years ago now. And so they'd spend every weekend with me, but I we they we never used the kids against each other. I was always there for them, and they were with me a lot. And there'd be times when my youngest would be he'd stay with me at the weekend, and then he'd be crying his eyes out on a Sunday, go, "I just want to stay here, Dad." And so I'd go, "All right, well, okay, you can stay, but then we have to be up really early to get you to school, and we have to." And, but it was he just wanted to. Be, he wanted to be in my skin. Right. And now he hates my skin. <laughs> he's 22. He's 22 now. Oh, God, he should be over that by and now. Now, he, now he's got oh, to he, no. doesn't, he doesn't hate it. He doesn't <laughs> hate it. I, I, do you know what? I did him a grave disservice in because the Christmas presents I got this year were exemplary. He got right. me. He bought me a Tripod Quest on vinyl. Um, all right, well, that's so good. I was like, all right. That's so, good. yes, the years come out. Like, let me, tell you, let me tell you a story. Go on. Uh, about my son. Um, I mean, there's lots of stories about him. Like, for example... 
I try trying to sort of get involved in his world. So he plays Fortnite. Actually, he's given up Fortnite to play FIFA now, but he used to play Fortnite all right. the time. And I thought, oh, I should get involved with that. So I um, said, no, I'm going to play with you. And he's like, I don't want to do that. I said, like, no, no, we're going to do it. So I'm in my room, my study, and I'm synced up with him. I've never played right. Fortnite before. He's in his room playing it. And we arrive on the idea of Fortnite works. Uh, very, very Basically, good, you yeah. parachute down an island. You've got an avatar, which is some you know knight in shining armor type person with right. a big sword or whatever. And we're trying to work together as a team to defeat whoever we're supposed to defeat on on the Fortnite island. So I don't know what I'm doing, and he says, "Right, Dad. Okay, follow me. Run. Right. Right. Uh, and he disappears somewhere, but he just says, "Keep running. Run, Dad." I say, "I'm running. I'm running. I'm running." And he says, "Run, Dad. Run." And he just runs me off a cliff. And I die. <laughs> right. And then he's basically right, never play with me again. Right? <laughs> Have I made that clear? Never play with me again. And he, and he does stuff like that all the time. He's like, always, and, he's, and he's always hilarious. That's the thing. Yeah. I'm going to tell another story. Go on, I'm going to go tell on, a story now. On. I told this on stage the other day, and it, I thought this one get a laugh. <laughs> and I don't even know if I should tell it. And, I'm, and I told it, and it got a massive laugh. Okay. Uh, so I got approached by a paedophile when I was 11 on the tube, 11 or 12. Mm. Um, and that's because my parents not being particularly good parents. They, they just let me go just on the tube in the 70s. Uh, and I used to go to Hamleys, right? Uh, the when toy you were shop. 11? Yeah, Hamleys, by myself to look at toys I couldn't afford. Wow. Right? I used to do that a lot, just go and look at them, yeah. right? How sad and bleak is that? <laughs> anyway, so I was telling Ezra this story, and I just sort of wasn't really as a stranger danger thing or whatever, but it was just like, I just thought I'll share this with him. And uh, so I was told him the whole story. I was on the tube. I was a young kid. And it's very horrible, this. And uh, a man sits down next to me. I can still remember he smelled awful and whatever. Crowded tube sits down next to me and says, oh, are you with your parents? And I say no. And uh, and he starts immediately as whispering in my ear, just asking me stuff about my private parts oh, about wow. whether I think about girl but I've got any pubic hair you know <laughs> and it's a very horrible thing yeah. I'm really frightened I remember I went and hid in the next carriage and he sort of followed me and it was all oh. really horrible right so I was alright I wasn't mm. abused anyway it was just like really horrible experience anyway I told that story to Ezra and he said did you see anything nice in Hamlet's <laughs> Anyway, it got a massive laugh, and I was so pleased about it because when he did it, I laughed and laughed and laughed yeah. and thought, that is the first time I feel I've told that story and felt a great weight <laughs> lift from me from someone's reaction to it. <laughs> and that goes back to what you were saying about on Twitter when you get a good reaction yes. from yeah. the interaction. Yes, no, that's right. It can feel all right. Yeah. So he is, a, you know, he is like that, but at the same time, I totally know what you mean about there's a weird parents thing of like, like what happened to the thing that I was looking after, yeah. you know, and I still, you know, he's still young enough that I feel I am sort of looking after him. I don't know whether that would be true anymore. He wouldn't think so, but I thought <laughs> I sort of am. Um, but yeah, I haven't really thought about that. I said at the start or earlier on that one thing that took me out of depression was becoming mm. a parent. And obviously I won't be, I'll still be a parent, yeah. but I won't be that kind of parent that spends all their time worrying and thinking about, it's just what, yeah. what is the world like for them? No, you can't carry on doing that forever. I mean, you sort of do. Yeah. You sort of you're still there. Yeah, you still do, but it doesn't feel. It's uh, maybe it's a maybe it's a phase, and he'll because my eldest is he always rings me and texts me and just goes, "How's it going, Dad? You're right." He lives in Bristol, right? So it's a big. So we don't see each other very often at all. So maybe maybe you'll find his way. You haven't got any younger ones with Jade. No, 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 no. So and she doesn't want any either, right? So, which is a relief, yeah. but that's not saying she can't. No, no, I, I never. You brought that up. No, I know. Not yet. I'm not saying <laughs> that was for the benefit of Jade. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and your when does your tour start? Uh, it starts at the. Well, I'm doing one more warm up show 
which is sold out anyway, so can't have that. Uh, but anyone can come to any one I'm doing from January the 24th. Okay. goes on till May. I've just put in a, I didn't have a London date. I've just put one in the Queen Elizabeth Hall on May the 6th. Um, and it's quite a nice tour, I think, because I mean, the subject matter isn't particularly nice <laughs> it's all about online hatred. Um, although in the room, it feels quite nice, because even yeah. though I'm dealing with some really horrible stuff, actually the show is quite upbeat. At some level it says that this is horrible stuff. Here's a way of dealing with it. I show examples of people coming in off the back of stuff I've said and building okay. on it and being funny and feeling like, and actually there's sort of something joyful here. Yes. There's something to be celebrated here. Um, and in the room, it feels nice. It feels like, you know, no one is left feeling, oh God, the world's so no. depressing and awful, even though it goes in, it talks about Holocaust denial, it talks about all sorts of terrible stuff in, in that. Um, yeah, so I'm touring until May the 6th. Lovely. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. It's been lovely. Thank I've you very so much. I enjoyed much it. And you know on. what? I came all the way out from terrible rain, Camden, got to do the Auschwitz thing later, and now I'm not depressed. Wonderful. Thank you so <laughs> thank much, you. David. It's thank been you. a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming down. Really appreciate it. Insane in the Membrane podcast. Insane in the Membrane is back for another live podcast recording on Sunday, the 23rd of February. I found that through humour, People open up and we have a laugh, and I really appreciate you coming down and doing this. This is an intimate live show with comedian Rich Wilson and very special surprise guest in front of a small audience at the Pleasance Islington. In fact, you are so close to the comedians, you could probably lick them. Uh, we can have a laugh while we do it. I think that's what I'm trying to show with the podcast. January's a struggle for us all, so put yourself something to look forward to in February. Insane in the Membrane Live at the Pleasance, Sunday, Feb 23rd at 7.30pm. Just £5. Nearest to Caledonian Road, Piccadilly Line, Dead easy, no excuses. You did great, Rich. Thanks, Bob. You Didn't did you well. great. Thank you. Click the link in the show description for this episode on your podcast app or go to pleasant.co.uk. What do we do now? I don't know. I think that's it. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. I mean, that must make somebody's day when someone who's a professional comedian acknowledges them. That's a, that's a good line, that, mate. Yeah, but I do. You know, I always do that yeah. if someone said something funny. In fact, yeah. the other day, uh, you want to just record this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we just record, this? record this? Yeah. A good example yeah. of that, uh, I think, is um, the Queen put out a statement on Twitter right. uh, about her... Well, it was actually... I think it's called At the Royal Family. But they put out the Queen's statement about Harry and Meghan and okay. whatever. Which, by the way, included the word family four times in two sentences. She needs to buy a thesaurus, <laughs> right? But meanwhile, that wasn't the point I was making. So I retweeted her statement and said that I think it'd be great if she'd put, don't at me. You know, people sometimes put that. <laughs> oh, when yeah. were, That's it, yeah. And a bloke called Gora underneath that wrote, don't at one. <laughs> and I just wrote, Gora's done a better version of my joke. Brilliant. Like, there's no getting around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. When I've, I've done gigs and somebody, at the weekend actually, it was a gig, I said something, and a woman off to the side, heck, we something that just brought the house down. Yeah, and you have to go. That was amazing. Yeah, but I think yeah. that's in the show that happens virtually in my show because you know there's heckling, and then what I notice is that I'll say something, and then someone will build on what I've said, and it won't just be a, a thing about like trying to crush the heckler. It will just be mm. they'll run yeah. with what I've said, <laughs> and then that feels like that. It feels like that moment where you know you're in a club and someone says something genuinely funny, yeah. and it's really joyful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, love, I live for those moments. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. That's brilliant. All Thank right. Thank you so much. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.